2: when you cross a know-it-all newspaper columnist with an awkward, unsophisticated everyman. Yeah, uh, well, I'm just not sure about that right now.
3: Welcome to, to Couch and the Room. room. Welcome to Couch in the Roo, presented by SkyMint Premium Cannabis. Inspiring people to do better, live better, love better, laugh better, just be better. Better looking, better everything, every damn day of their lives. And our midweek show brought to you by our friends at Front 43 Neighborhood Pub and and Company Kitchen and Bar. If you're looking for a place to watch the Michigan State game Friday night against Wisconsin or any of the NFL action this weekend, I'm telling you, the TV setup, the whole setup. At Front 43 and Cask and Company is just as good as you'll, you'll find it. Outstanding menu and beer selection. And if you're just looking for a great meal at home while you watch the games, great carryout. Just same menu. And uh, go there, pick it up. I've done that many a time. Cask uh, and Company and Front 43. Go to CaskandCompany.com to see their menu. Jason, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good, buddy. Or how are you? <laughs> you don't sound good. Dude, I just I, I went to ESPN. <laughs> And I clicked on a story. It says, Deaths of woman and two year old son at San Diego Padres Petco Park ruled suicide homicide. Hmm. And then I look over and I'm like, hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> so sorry. I didn't mean to click on that story. But yeah, sorry to hear that. Jeez.
3: That's not good. That's
0: a terrible way to start a show. Yeah, that's not really wasn't planning to be
3: one of our things, Topics we we're going we're to get into. Uh, we've got what I think will be a fun show today. We're going to have Colton Pouncy from the Athletic On. We're going to talk some MSU football uh, and a little hoops with him as well. And get into what I, I think this is the most interesting MSU football off season uh, that that I can remember, and so we're, we're, we'll dive into that a little bit and just sort of where what this means for the program and and um, I don't think it's it, we're, I'm not talking make or break, but there's just a lot going on and uh, it's it's more compelling certainly than than any in in, in recent memory. Uh, we'll we'll have Harry Gagnon on and pick the games, including MSU Wisconsin. We've got a, uh, a projected line from from our friend Trevor. Uh, Darnell uh, on that game as well. So we'll do that uh, a little bit later. Um, I want to start with this. I'm going to read you the scoring numbers of somebody, of a college basketball player. Jason, I want you to guess who it might be. This is the game log, game by game, since December 4th. These are how many points he has scored. 15 points, 35 points. 24 points, 11, 25, 19, 11, 16, and 14. Who would you guess that is?
0: On Michigan State?
3: On anybody in the country.
0: Um, uh, Chet Holmgren. Foster Lawyer. Oh, yeah, Foster. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I. Oh, yeah, that's right, because Jeff Heward texted us last night, so I figured <laughs> Foster Lawyer, Jeff Heward, who uh, – run spotlight here is a big foster lawyer fan but yeah he's we i think we're, we're all in agreement when when he does text us and says listen this guy could this kid could shoot <laughs> what happened and we i was asking that last year like what happens when you see a kid in high school or wherever a shooter shoots you just got to get open right in big 10 basketball that's all you got to do i don't know i know that the size kind of matters but hey you got to be happy for the kid but you also have to ask questions what happened when he was at michigan state why couldn't he replicate even some of that
3: i mean they haven't lost a game since uh, since uh, november 18th i mean they've won every one of those games and yeah, so i have a couple theories here and and, and the foster Laurie foster Laurie foster lawyer things bleeds into the the joey hauser thing a little bit and and because he was i think probably the most ridiculed player on social media that i've ever covered Talking about foster lawyer. Wow. Over over the course of three years. The most the one who dealt with the most venom there. The one and the biggest but some of it was he never should have been recruited by Michigan State. He was not a fit. He was I mean, he is the most prolific high school shooter that like Jack Ebling has ever seen. Pure shooter coming out of this this state in high school. I saw him play He's in high school and I saw him score eighty points in two games and those, you know, granted, class A is not what it used to be. You're you're playing against uh suburbia instead of the city schools these days cuz the city schools are smaller but still 80 points in the semis and finals is pretty pretty damn amazing and you're seeing a lot of that shot and that confidence now and the the, the Atlantic 10 is not like some level of basketball that's you know just i mean th- there's there's some decent athletes in there it is a step down and that's notable i mean look think of a guy like a, a Brandon Wood at, at Valparaiso who was a 17, 18-point-a-game guy, comes to Michigan State, and he's an 11, 12-point-a-game guy. That's usually the dip. We're seeing Tyson Walker struggle with it for a little bit. But most of what it is, is is Foster Lawyer was never going to be a player who was adequate defensively at the Big Ten level. And he came to a program that to get on the floor and your worth begins with what you can do defensively. It did for Cash. I mean, Cash... Tom Izzo played Tum Tum Nairn 20 minutes a game and Cassius Winston 20 minutes a game because Cassius' defense drove nuts. Think about that. If you look at the efficiency numbers of Cassius Winston as a sophomore and think about Tum Tum Nairn playing over him, you know, and as a backup, that would have been fine, but like often like almost equal time. It it seems ridiculous, but that's what Izzo has built his program on. That's what he's won on. Like it or not, it's worked for him. And you can disagree with elements of it, certainly um in in 5 or 6 years when you got a different coach you'll get to find out if that's better or not but lawyer was never going to be a fit there because of that and because he was going to be measured on the defensive end whether he got a chance offensively and by then he it, it was it was he was sort of a shell of himself and there were such high expectations based on who he was in high school as a shooter it it would just it, it got i think it was partly in his head but he also it, you know he, he got to play in short spurts he wasn't supposed to create. He's getting to be now who he needs to be, and he could have done that. Could he have done it at the Big Ten level successfully? Yes. Certain places, yeah. Michigan State. I, no. I
0: watched Nebraska.
3: Right. <laughs> or, or Lawyer could
0: play on a couple teams in the Big Ten,
3: or the old Northwestern teams that weren't as defensive minded, you know, or whatever. Yeah, there there are teams, and, and if if Michigan State had different priorities for what made it a good program, it might have been okay. It just was never a fit, and and fit is so important. You can't take a guy who doesn't fit who you are, and Foster Lawyer didn't fit who they were. It, it wouldn't fit who they are, who they need as a point guard, and uh, and I, and I'm not saying he couldn't have had a role, and it could have worked out differently, but that that's why I mean, Foster Lawyer is not playing defense, <laughs> Davidson at a great level. That's just not what they demand. I, I remember watching Steph Curry, and Davidson. Uh, play at Western Michigan when I worked in Kalamazoo. By the way, no kid, yeah. And they had a guy, and I'm forgetting his name right now, Jason something. Played at Barrington. Sudeikis. Yeah, <laughs> played played at Barrington High School in suburban Chicago. I covered him in high school a little bit too. And and he was the guy, the running mate, decent player, good player. Got a lot of pub next to Steph Curry. But I, I watched Western Michigan beat them, and I watched a, a, a very average or mid major point guard, and Mike Ridell have like nine points and one assist against that guy because defense isn't there. It just wasn't their priority. It's not who they are. It's not how they win. He's at a place that absolutely fits him and and good for him for finding that fit. He's got two years to play at a place where he absolutely fits. And I feel I feel really good about that. Yeah, right but on. who
0: gets the blame then for, I mean, honestly, if you have a shooter like that, is it on Izzo to try to find, even though defensively he's not as up to your standards, but if a kid can shoot that well, you have to find a way to get him in into the mix, right?
3: So it, it's two things. One, it, it's Dane Fife for the recruitment. It's Izzo for taking him. And, and it's after year one, maybe saying, I don't know this is a fit, having a frank conversation with him. Yeah. And that that didn't happen. and 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 – and then if you're going to have him in the program yeah it's, it's getting it's it's getting the most uh out of what you can with him and understanding he's not the problem is you can't have a standard for defense that everybody else has to live up to and the guy
0: who's not able to do it but it's not like foster lawyer didn't try he just no he was did he was he getting either. switched out of some mismatches and all totally. sorts he got, of like that but you're acting as if he's kind of aloof and not even No, he gave it play.
3: he put his body on the line no question yeah. he was just he was just a liability on that end and he still is a liability on that end but he's at a place where they're okay with it and and that's that's really what's transpired it was not going to work at michigan state on uh, and that's why it's working now and and not he's allowed to play lots of games he's uh, or lots of minutes. And, and and um,
0: But do you think a lot of the Twitter, like the blowback that you said Foster Lawyers, it's the craziest you have ever seen, but are you guys to blame for that because of the hype, the Joey Hauser hype that we've heard all these years, the Foster Lawyer hype we heard before he comes in? I know you guys are just doing a job, but you get what I'm saying, that well, it's, these guys get so hyped up and people are like, well, where is this this hype then?
3: True. We, we, part of it is sometimes you hear it from a coach, but sometimes you see it. Like I did believe the shooting would translate. That's where I was wrong. I, I thought, and that did get in his head. I mean, he still had time on the floor, and he wasn't a good shooter at Michigan State, anywhere near the level he, he was in high school or is now. So that, that's something upstairs, right? He was unable to keep that confidence. I didn't see that coming. I thought what would happen to him is, yeah, there'd be some struggles, but at some point, he would be so prolific as just a shooter. I didn't think he'd ever be the playmaker that a, um, that a Cassius Winston was. But even in spurts in a smaller role, that he would be so prolific and shoot a high enough percentage— that you'd, you'd have to carve out a role for him. You know, Cassius Winston ended up giving his all on defense. He was never a great defensive player. Now, he was somebody as a junior and senior who held himself accountable on that end and, and became a lot better and worked with his deficiencies and it was was, was engaged always in that end. Um, but I don't think it wasn't that Foster Lawyer wasn't engaged there. I, I think Foster Lawyer, if he had been able to hit shots and not, you know, that he could have had a different a different role. The problem was, for him, what he needed was that 10, 12 minute stretch of playing eight minutes at a time or whatever it is that he's getting now that he he just was never going to get at Michigan State because of who he wasn't. I'm going to get into the the Joey Hauser part of that when we have Colton on here in a little bit. We're we're going to get into and how he's covered and the the conversations about him and 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 I have some feelings about it. And I'm curious about Colton because he's sort of he's been around the basketball but he's sort of new to the new to the beat and a full time role just on the basketball side. And I'm curious where, where he is on things. Before we get to Colton, though, I quickly want to get your take on this today. NFL mock drafts start to come out. Oh. Mel Kuyper's included. Mm-hmm. And the Lions is what we care about here. And we'll do a lot more of this as we get into other, other months and things like that. But he's got Thibodeau to the Lions saying Aiden Hutchinson to the Jaguars. That's nothing unconventional. Right, uh, we're, we're, I think we, everybody be okay with with that decision if that's what. I don't was. know. Is Thibodeau
0: no? any good? Is he a good de- defensive end? Well, I, not, I saw, us, Aiden, no. you know, he has half the numbers what Aiden Hutchinson had. I don't. I, listen, Mel Kuyper, mock draft. It doesn't do anything for me right now. There, are, right? there, there are I mean, a lot of mock drafts.
3: The one thing that I wanted to bring up quickly though is the quarterback. He has. This is the thing I think to me is a disaster. Do not waste your t- I, I, and and I don't think I don't think the Lions will do this. And I don't know who else, and I'm, we'll start seeing these mock drafts. Sam Howell from North Carolina, quarterback with the 28th pick. Do not do it. I've seen that guy play. Do not do it. He, he's not. And I understand you get the extra year if he's a first-round pick and control of him. And if you really love a guy and you think he's worth it, I get it. I, but I saw that guy play like
0: two or three times this year. Didn't,
3: didn't think he was very good at all.
0: Like it, you know the last quarterback to come out of North Carolina that got a bunch of hype? Uh, Mitch. Oh, Mitchell.
3: Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Right. I,
0: but, I mean, I'm with you, though, but why waste a pick there? It, it, yeah. Unless it's a guy that you are really, really want. You know, I just don't – I can't believe it would be be Howell, though, out of all the the quarterbacks that are in this draft. Because the Lions are going to be asked next year as well. If there's a guy that you want next year, I think I would wait. Because don't waste a, a, the, the Rams pick on that.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, uh, it would. That's I, I, I don't, I don't understand it, and and I just I, I want like I don't get the logic behind it. Like to me, they, they're going to have to pay golf next year. It's not a great quarterback. I get taking a quarterback in the fourth or fifth round if you want to take a chance on a developmental guy. That's that's that makes a whole lot of sense. But this this was weird, and I just wanted to, to talk about that briefly uh, before we get to Colton. You want to uh, give uh, yeah. give Colton uh, a, a ring here? Uh, a, a reminder: uh, great happy hour specials. At Front Forty Three and and Cask and Company, uh, good lunch place. It, it, it's a place where like an MSU game. They've got specials just for the MSU games. They've got specials for happy hours uh, on drinks and, and and food and and appetizers. Uh, just if you've not been to Front Forty Three or Cask Company, two different vibes. Uh, adjacent restaurants, one menu. Uh, the the Front Forty Three is is more of a, a bar with an unbelievable TV setup. It's my favorite TV setup that it, it exists. Cask Company also has TVs all over the place. But it's a great date night, and it, it feels a little more like if you're looking for a place that you still want to see the game that night, but you want to take your significant other and feel okay about it, I'm telling you, and Company is absolutely the place for you. It's just on the edge of Lansing and East Lansing, um, uh, just north of Frandor there on on East Saginaw. Uh, very pleased now to have my friend Colton Pouncey from The Athletic, who uh, obviously does amazing work for them covering MSU football, and has been an awesome addition to the MSU basketball side of things to get to watch him understand what the sport of basketball is on a daily basis has been, has been fun. It's been fun. Colt, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good, Graham. How are you doing?
3: <laughs> good, good, good. Thanks for taking some time, man. Um, the, uh, to me is, and I know you've been around what, three years now on the
1: football beat. Um, this was actually my fourth year. Fourth year. Uh, yeah, got through 2018.
3: Okay. Okay. Time flies. Um, yeah, the, uh, this is the most interesting off season I can remember in in a decade covering Michigan State. I'm wondering if it feels like the most now, and obviously the Mark D'Antonio coaching search thing was a weird deal with COVID. I get you, you could argue that, but in terms of it feels like there's a lot going on that's compelling and interesting to watch the trajectory of the program happen real time, day by day, the addition of recruits for this year's class, next year's class, transfers. Um, it, 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 and it doesn't feel like it's going to stop till June. Are you curious? Is this sort of a, is this sort of one of those off seasons where, I mean, the the iron is hot, so to speak, right now for the program, and it's interesting to see how they can cash in on
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just since I've been at Michigan State, I mean, you know, I got here June 2018, so there was you know some buzz coming off that 10 win season 2017, going to that year, but obviously you go seven and six. 7-6 again in 2019, and then you get a coaching change. So in terms of this offseason, like this is probably the most hype I've seen, Michigan State and kind of the fan base and everything coming off 11 wins. And, you know, I think people are excited to see Mel Tucker take that program to where he took it this past season. They're excited to see what he can do going forward. And then when you kind of look at you know, the transfer portal, these additions, and, you know, they're still kind of adding um, to that group that they've added like five players already so far. Um, you look at some of the coaching changes and kind of these staff additions that we've kind of seen, these ongoing additions, and, um, you know, just recruiting, too. Like, you got a top-17 class, I think, right now. Uh, that's exciting, and they're still going to have some, some high-end players. So, I think all things considered, yeah, there's a lot of hype, a lot of buzz going to the season, and you kind of wonder where they can take it from here. Can they capitalize on that 11-win season in recruiting for 2023? Um, you know, what additions can they make from the portal to kind of get back to that level that they were at in 2021. So, yeah, a lot of intrigue and I think a lot of excitement around the program right now.
3: All right, so staying with that, and, and you do a lot of really nice things, and, and you guys all know how I feel about The Athletic and, and the reasons I think you should subscribe. And one of the things Colton did recently is uh, 10 predictions for the Spartans in 2022, uh, which you can find uh, at the athletic, uh, the athletic Detroit or, or uh, you know, his Twitter account as well. Um one of the predictions you had is Michigan State's leading rusher in two thousand twenty two will be a player who isn't on the roster in two thousand and twenty one. And um you know you and I have had conversations about that. And that's again, they they have obviously Jalen Berger coming in from Wisconsin, but you also, I mean, I don't think they're done here.
1: I don't and you know I think I've, I've kind of heard that they want to add at least one more. And if you kind of look at what they've been doing with the portal, it um, seems like they're not done yet. Um, I know they wanted that uh, Jamar Gibbs, the running back from Georgia Tech, they went after him, but he ended up at Alabama. You know, to rich, get richer over there. Um, and I think they offered um, Jarek Broussard, who's actually a Colorado running back, so the staff knows him pretty well. Um, I don't think they recruited him, but they inherited him when they took over there um, that season. So they know what he can do. I think he was the I think the Pac-12 offense player of the year in 2020. Um, was kind of injured last year a little bit, but still rushed for around 600 700 yards. So he's a player who hit the portal. I think he has two more years of eligibility. Um, he's going to be on campus at the end of the month. So if that visit goes well, I can totally see him committing. And I think he would form a nice one-two punch with Jalen Berger if they, you know, if he comes on board. Um, he's a little bit quicker than than uh, Berger, I would say, and probably has you know, probably closer to the Kenneth Walker skills. I don't want to compare the two, but in terms of the vision, some of the wiggle, um, probably the closest thing that MSU would have to him if they can land him. So they're definitely not done. And I know they're still looking at uh trade citizen, a 2022 running back. I'm not sure if he's going to end up in MSU, but you know, they're in the mix for him as well. So It seems like they want at least one more back, whether it's high school or transfer portal. Um, so it seems like they still want to upgrade that position.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I for a while, I thought like being a running back transfer. You see what happened to Kenneth Walker and everything that's going on at Michigan State. That looks like a great fit. I also don't know if I want to be the running back who follows Kenneth Walker. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's that's my you know I, I don't know if that's a great thing because you know what he did was was truly incredible and I think it'll be appreciated even more as as we get further away from it. It's just not something you you see that much around it. It the offensive line is going to make you know horse coming back is important. I think the offensive line is going to need to take a substantial step if their running game is going to be anything next year, unless they stripe absolute gold again. And we've talked about that in the past. I thought they did take a step this year from the previous year, but they're, if they're going to maintain the trajectory they're on and be back in the 10 win picture and all, I I think that group is going to have to be much improved.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And like, just going back to Kenneth Walker for a second, I was tweeting during the year, like appreciate Kenneth Walker while you have him, because that dude is special. And I think, Obviously, people kind of saw that this year. But if you don't have a guy like that on the roster, which it's hard to kind of duplicate that, like, I agree, you have to have some improvements elsewhere. One of the spots you're looking at is probably off the line. You know, they lose some starters, and a lot of guys that have been around the program for a while, like even Luke Campbell, I'm not sure if Blake Muter is coming back, um, you know, obviously Kevin Jarvis and A.J. Curry and, and Matt Allen, and all those guys you know, probably won't be back, um, that whole group right there. So when you're looking at this, Next wave of guys, I mean, J.D. Duplaine's been around. Nick Samak looks like he's probably going to get his chance at center. Um, Spencer Brown was part of that 2019 class. I think he was you know, high three-star guy, um, 6'6", over 300 pounds, has a size staff likes, got to start at right tackle. Jared Horse coming back is big. Um, and then right guard, seems like Matt Carrick will be back in the mix. I know he had like some surgery this during the season, had to miss some time, but he'll be back. Um, but I do think that's another spot where they should probably look to add in the portal. They sent out a few offers. I think a Georgetown office attack they're kind of looking at right now. So I wouldn't expect them to be done there, but yeah, I agree. That group absolutely needs to kind of improve and keep taking steps forward under Chris because they're going to need those guys.
3: So until today, um, and, and this is for those who listen later, this is Wednesday, everything in the portal had been kind of all fun and games for Michigan state. And that's until you lose the first four-star uh, recruit you ever have, a linebacker. And, you know, look, it. I think we're going to see more of this, and people are just going to have to get used to it. This is part of the deal with the one-time transfer, especially after a freshman year. People come from far away, especially uh, you've got options. And especially at linebacker, maybe, where you only play two and you bring in transfers. What, what's your read on this?
1: Yeah, it's a tough spot, and, like, I don't want to minimize it. I, there might be some people doing that, like, this is a four-star guy that was the top player in your class. And you are kind of losing it basically just because you've over-recruited him and, you know, you're looking to add from the portal, and that's all, you know, nice and well. But if you're losing young guys that can be building blocks for the future, you know, you sort of have to balance that out. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to minimize, you know, that because I think he can be a good player in time. Um, but obviously the players they added, you know, Jacoby Winman, the linebacker transferred from uh, UNLV, he had 119 tackles last year that dude didn't come here to ride the bench or be a depth piece. Like, he's going to come here to start. Um, another guy, Aaron Brule from Mississippi State, I think a couple of years ago he was, you know, had a decent draft grade. I'm not sure whether it's that last year. I think he kind of struggled with missed tackles this past season. Um, but I think he can add some things, especially as, like, a pass-rushing linebacker, not quite like an edge guy, but he can definitely do some things with the blitz, and I think they'll kind of use him in that position, that role. Um, but, yeah, so those are two guys that, you know, you add along with, a Cal Halliday, who was a freshman All-American, Quaviers Crouch, who started to come along last year, who's still kind of learning that position, but I thought he had a decent year. um You know, that's, that's four guys who can probably start for you. So I, I kind of understand why uh Ma Nacioti. I think I, I'm saying that right. I didn't so want to, to say me. it. I was going <laughs> to let you do
3: it. Yeah, I'm, that's yeah. the only reason I'm glad he's gone is I don't have to learn the name <laughs> really well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, you look at that group and they've got some questions there, but they've also added pretty well, and I think they, they have some depth now. Um, but yeah, when you lose a guy like that, it's, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think
3: there's any other way to say that. No, it's uh, and look, and the other the thing about Cal Halliday too is he's one of these guys that I you know I don't think they would have ever recruited, but that guy's just right. going to find his way into the starting lineup as long as he's there. I have this sense, and and so you know that's another position that's just it's sort of in, entrenched, and he's got some some time left. Um, I, I, want, yeah. I want to talk a little hoops with you, and uh, it, I'm curious about your perspective of things because I mean you've been around the basketball program, you've, you've covered him here and there. Uh, but your focus has really been football until now, and now it, now it's it, it's both and it it's always good to get a sense of what you know fresh eyes think of things what, what is your when you when you look at what 's happening to this Michigan state team right now and, and, and your sort of perspective of uh this program and where it is how would you how would you sum that up
1: yeah it's interesting because you know I, I i had this is my first year actually like being on the beat like officially um but I have covered some games in the past. You know, I watched them on TV, too, in the past. So, like, I got here when it was, like, you know, 2018, 2019 season when Cassius kind of took his rise. You know, Tillman kind of took over that spot. And those two guys were pillars of the program and some real talented dudes who, you know, both made the NBA, things like that. Um, so that was kind of, like, my first taste in MSU basketball, like, watching. And obviously those two guys aren't around anymore. And, I, you know, I think... The thing with Izzo is that he's going to develop guys. You see, a Gabe Brown take a step as a senior. Marcus Bingham was the same way, at least you know earlier in the in the season. Um, it's nice to see that process kind of work out and see the next man up mentality. But at the same time, I, I think it's reasonable to say that they don't really have the high end talent that they did, you know, those past few years. Um, you know, when they went on that final run, beat Duke. You're losing some of those guys, so I think you can still win with the pieces you have. But the margin of error kind of shrinks when you don't have that you know, Cassius Winston leading your offense or Xavier Tillman kind of anchoring your defense. So, you know, it's kind of been interesting for me to watch that development and kind of where they go from there. Um, But obviously, they're still winning games. I think things are kind of in that January phase. I'm told that they kind of hit this rough spot every year. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: Fat and sassy quote about that one this week. That was cool to see. That was my first time hearing that um so yeah I would expect them to kind of figure things out and I think this upcoming game against Wisconsin is probably a good good test for them to see where they measure up against some of these higher end teams in the Big Ten but um yeah they've got some questions with this group specifically
3: no I think the, this stretch is good because they need to sort of learn their truth a little bit and and we saw it early in the year they played some good teams but it's different in January and in February it's it's much more other teams are have found themselves and are, it are more seasoned um and, and so yeah I I I I think the timing is 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 interesting. What one of the things that um I get asked a lot about is the two guys who are football players, Keon Coleman and Malik Carr. And yeah. you know, it, it, it's pretty clear at this point that there's there's not going to be a role this year other than maybe garbage time off the bench and if it's going to happen it's going to be them sticking around through the summer and playing pickup games as well as they play football and being around the program and maybe having a role once they've been around things as they join the team next year. Do you, th- your hunch that either one of those guys ever plays a meaningful role or plays beyond this year on MSU's basketball team?
1: I, I just don't see it. And I know the fan base wants Keon to be this like dual sports star, but I, I mean, those guys belong on the football field. Like that's where the future lies. Um I, I'm, it's good that MSU is giving them the chance to kind of test things out. You know, Izzo keeps calling it a trial. Um, you know, we see them in practice. They're up there working with the scout team essentially and just being extra bodies around the team, which is never a bad thing. But I kind of see this as a one and done type thing because um, when they get to next season, both those guys could be starters by like, if not the beginning of the year, by the end of the year for sure. And when you look at their trajectory and their football careers, they're going to be counted on to be, you know, potential draft picks, you know, leaders of the offense, you know, you know, Keon's a really explosive athlete. Malik Carr is a tight end that, you know, has a sort of frame in athleticism that we haven't seen in a long time. So I think both those guys will be kind of on the football field. So you can't really ask them to kind of, you know, hey, go play hoops for a couple of months and come back to train with the team in like June. Like that's not really going to work. So, it's a hell of a way to
3: get out I, of winter conditioning, though. It's a great, <laughs> great way to do it.
1: No doubt, yeah. I, I, yeah, my, my
3: hunch is that I like so. I, I think their football careers will dictate it. I think both guys wish they were basketball players, yeah. and the uh, if if one of them like Keon or uh, Keon Coleman has at least one more year after next year in football, just because of the way the draft situation works. I think there's a better chance that he comes back since he can't. Malik Carr, uh if he has a really good year, that could be it in football, and then he definitely won't be back. And and so it'll be interesting to see if those two guys where they are, where they are on the depth chart, where they need to feel their focus needs to be, where they are in their NFL careers. Um, if if Keon Coleman feels like he's established and he's got to do another year, I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, try to play a little hoops. Last thing I want to ask you about is the hot-button name, you may have seen it on uh, social media, is Joey Hauser. Yeah. And the, the Joey Hauser, like, to me, this is always an interesting thing because – Look, I. it's always, you know, there's always somebody on the team that is is sort of, that's been foster lawyer, now it's Hauser, it's whatever. Um, but I, I always have to remind people, these are also college kids. Yeah, and okay. so you, you're not going to sit there and say to somebody at the podium or in a conversation, hey, man, why do you suck? You know, like, or wh- why aren't you getting, you know, getting this done? And one of the yeah. things that I, I keep telling people now is like, the issue isn't that Joey Hauser's in there. The issue is that Marcus Bingham is not, and so that that is this that is a big part of the storyline. It's not that you know, yes, in this game did they play marble, not enough at the yeah. You can argue that absolutely, it's fair. I'm wondering the the coverage of a situation like that, how you think it's handled, and and your pers- your perspective of it.
1: Yeah, you know, we're going to ask the questions, and I think I think it was Jamal Spencer who asked why. Um, uh, Marble didn't get more time at the end there, which, you know, with the way he was playing, I think it was a somewhat fair question, but it also looked like he was kind of gassed out there during that, you know, second half. So he sat for six minutes there, didn't come back with until like two minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. But yeah, I agree. I think the bigger question was probably Bingham. And, you know, when you, when you have a guy who's getting beat on the offensive glass, like Hauser was in that game, you probably use a seven footer in that scenario, but it also feels like he was sort of in the doghouse a little bit for effort and, you know, whatever other reason that they throw out there. Um, And when you, you know, as a coach, like sometimes you just got to stick with your principle and say, look, if you're not going to give us what we need from you, you're not going to get in the game. So I guess I understand it from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough when you don't have a guy like that. And then it kind of leaves a guy like Joey Hauser in a tough spot because he's not a center. And so when you kind of put him in a spot where he's not going to thrive, you kind of bring it on the fan base. Like they're going to obviously voice their opinion. MSU Twitter is very vocal. We kind of see that (laughs) every other game. Um, but at the same time, like Joey Hauser, if you write a story about him, if I write a story about him, there's always going to be, if he has a a bad game the next day, you know, someone's going to be like, see, well, what about this now? And it's like, all right, you're not saying that when he's hitting a game winning shot or when he's doing the little things that we don't see in the box score. So I think he can still be a valuable piece of this team. Um, you can't expect him to be like a 15 point per game score. And if anyone's expecting that at at this stage, it's not going to work out, but, um, yeah, I mean it's a weird spot right now with the bigs that they're trying to roll out there, and um, yes, yeah, I, I would say it's a def- delicate balance for sure.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it and you know, he's a victim of expectations and and, and hype I- I as well. And uh, you know, one of I forget who it was from the state news. I think it was asked the question the other day, asked about um, asked him about his post defense, which was a it was I thought it was well framed. It was a mature way of asking it. It, it is just it's an interesting dynamic because sometimes you you leave the world of social media, which we see during games. And you have to reframe what is the actual story here, you know? Yep. And, and I think that not, not, nobody's a lightning rod more than him. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing to, uh, to tackle. Uh, Colton, uh, love, love having you around. I'm enjoying having you on the, the Hoops Beat. Look forward to having you, uh, you know, hanging out at hotel bars in random cities in and, and, and late January and early February with you, man. Thanks for coming yep. on.
1: Absolutely. I'll see you in Champaign next week.
3: Sounds good. Look forward to it. That's Colton Pouncey from The Athletic. Um, you can read his stuff at uh, at The Athletic, and obviously at The Athletic Detroit is a great way to do that. I think most of you know him and his work by now, always worth subscribing there. Uh, before we get to Harry, a reminder, if this month is shit, if you're upset about the Michigan State games this week, next Tuesday, hell, maybe even next Saturday against Michigan, SkyMint can help get you through it. Or if you just want to celebrate it, whatever it is, SkyMint, go to SkyMint.com for location information. There are three in the Lansing area, tons all over the state. A new one in in Saginaw. They've got a new one coming up in Kalamazoo. There's uh, one in in Portage. There's in Grand Rapids. They deliver from Ann Arbor and Lansing. Make SkyMint part of your life and let them lead you on your cannabis journey. Um, And uh, I'm I'm telling you, Jason and I have enjoyed our relationship with them. And somebody like me who doesn't know what I'm doing, they've been great at, at, at leading me along. We'll take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll have Harry Gagnon get into the games this week, the Michigan State game against Wisconsin, the NFL games. Couch in the Roo, presented by SkyMint Premium Cannabis and Front 43 and Cask Company.
0: Where else can you cheer on your team? Enjoy a mouth-watering burger or savory sushi? Sip on handcrafted cocktails or one of 46 beers on tap? Take your game day or date night to Cask Company Kitchen Bar or Front 43 Neighborhood Pub near Frandor. Two amazing places with one awesome blended modern American-Asian menu. Catch the game on one of 30 60-inch TVs or stop in for the all-you-can-eat lunch buffet. Enjoy happy hour or elevate your night out at Casting Company or Front 43 on East Saginaw in Lansing. Firekeepers Online Casino and Sportsbook is the site to play. Get your Vegas on right now from your phone, tablet, or laptop, all the hottest slots and tables, plus sports betting featuring in-game wagering. Download the app at firekeeperscasino.com. Go with the name you know, Firekeepers. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and located in Michigan. Gambling problem? Call the Michigan Problem Gambling Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. wherever you are on your cannabis journey let sky mint premium cannabis be your guide your friend and your place whether you're curious about cannabis or a seasoned connoisseur sky mint's knowledgeable staff will help you with a vast selection of products to choose from to fit your needs sky mint believes access to the best cannabis helps people do good and feel good so they grow it right here in michigan giving you high quality locally grown cannabis at highly accessible prices visit SkyMint.com for special offers and location information throughout michigan and use the promo code Couch and Rube 20 for 20% off your first visit. Mint Cannabis. You'll love this place.
2: Find Couch and the Rube podcasts on Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Google Podcasts, Castbox, and the Rube's favorite podcast addict.
3: Couch and the Rube, presented by SkyMint Premium Cannabis. And our midweek show brought to you by Front 43 Neighborhood Pub and Casking Company Kitchen and Bar. It is now time for our Pick the Game segment brought to you by our friends at Firekeepers iCasino and Sportsbook. Download the Firekeepers iCasino and Sportsbook app today and play along with us. Take Harry's bets and make cash off them. And with that, it is time to bring on one of our great friends. He's on a heater. Harry yeah. Gagnon from Against All Odds and bestbetcorner.com and extrapoints.com. Harry, you, you understand how smooth this podcast is. Thank you again for... Of course. Uh,
2: for <laughs> of course, guys. Of course.
3: We love you, man. Thanks for yeah. doing this. And um, for, those of, for those of you who won't get that inside joke, we don't usually say... Uh, when we usually say fix it in post, the joke is we never fix anything. Um, and because we're doing Harry a little before the rest of the show, I fucked up the intro a couple times and we 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 redid it the best
0: part is no one would have known if you
3: wouldn't have said anything
0: that's true we would look professional <laughs>
3: but, yeah we can't do very that honest, Grant, very honest yeah. Very honest. thank you harry thank you yeah. Harry. It it is good to have uh your hot ass back on this show and i mean that yeah. in the most endearing way um there is uh look I, last week's nfl games i don't know about anybody else but like I know you lost some money Jason but Cowboys it, killed me yeah. yeah but it it was it was a weekend where the predictable things happened and even the trendy underdog the 49ers happened there was there was money to uh, to be made I think uh, last week's win and I think it gets harder now as we we go forward I don't know I
0: think it might get easier
2: I kind of think it's a i I really like these games this week I went I was four and all with you guys until the last two games then I lost I dumped the last two I tried convincing you guys how to steal it but I was after Watt returned that touchdown, and midway through the second quarter, I'm like, "Wow, seven nothing. I'm catching uh, two touchdowns." Then it all fell apart, and Arizona tanked too. They were awful on Monday night, but uh, I really feel so. Still four and two is a winning, uh, a winning weekend. Um, I've hit like a four uh, video picks in a row. I got a pick late tonight. Going against the Pistons, going against the Pistons, taking the Kings minus five and a half, looking for five video picks winners in a row on extra points.
0: Yeah, but hold on, let's go back to the Steelers pick though, because mm. you've watched Ben Roethlisberger before. You thought he was going to go into Kansas City, and
2: I, I, I mean, they had a look, I thought they were playing with house money. Somehow they made it into the playoffs. This whole drama thing of Big Ben and uh, maybe Tomlin would have a game plan here. Uh, it just I, I thought Najee Harris would play a role in it. Uh, a couple drop passes really killed them from, from having a couple first downs. And then you, you do that, all of a sudden you're just giving more time to Mahomes. And once uh, Pittsburgh got that 7-0 lead, and then Kansas City tied it, just the defense fell apart and it was awful.
0: So what you're saying is it's spite-bet season this week. Let's get it. Uh,
2: I wouldn't say spike bet. we, we got to save the spike bets for uh, for really major – I mean, this is a major weekend, but I don't have a spite bet here. I just feel – I don't know, Jay, you said you like it too. I feel confident about this week. All
3: right, well, let, let's dig in a We're going to get to also – after we get to the NFL games, so we'll get to the Michigan State-Wisconsin game. We've got a projected line there, uh, and we'll talk about that a, a little bit. Wisconsin, uh, I think minus 3.5 is what it's going to be, or minus 3. And uh, we'll get into that. Also – you you talk about a backdoor push on Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Yeah, what night? Tuesday night. Pistons are like 15 and a half point dogs oh, at the Warriors, yes. right? And I, they're, not, they're playing without Draymond, and they've been really inefficient without Draymond. And I think, well, 15 and a half is a big number. And I bought the extra point, a half point to 16, and the Pistons were annihilated the entire game. But it's one of those NBA games where... Naturally, it comes down a little in the fourth quarter, and they pushed on the, at the last second by 16. That was the luckiest push I think in my life. Talk about an anti spite yeah. bet! Oh my gosh!
2: Yeah. I mean, Detroit didn't shoot well in that game. After I was checking the stats and everything like that, but it's not like uh, you know. You mentioned uh, no Draymond, and uh, and Curry only had 18. But it's by the way, this was the first time Curry he had 18 points. First time Curry in three straight games in the NBA didn't have 20 points or more. Since the finals in 2016. By, that?
3: by the way, there is a Curry bet, to a live bet for people. Here's a tip. So mm-hmm. I, I won a little on Curry's under, live line last night. Oh, Talk nice. about a degenerate moment. I'm watching the Pistons game nice. thinking I'm not going to cover this. And I'm like, all right, where can I get it back? And what happens is when what Vegas is seems to be slow to adjust to, or the public is, I guess, because Vegas would react to this over time. But Curry doesn't play the end of games when they're up 30.
2: Yep.
3: And so... You know, yeah. th- I looked at his, his totals. Was of,
2: like nine minutes ago last night. I was watching.
3: Yeah, his total way too late was like 23 and a half. And I'm like, there's no way he's in the game long enough to get there unless he has some barrage of threes. You could always get beat by it. But he's not playing his usual r- minutes. And so if you see the Warriors in a in a blowout or you see an NBA team in a blowout, you, there might be an opportunity there for a live props bet. And that's what I was able to uh, to play last night on the Curry under 23 and a half. In, in, yeah, but in, then
0: you have to watch the NBA. And I'm, the Pistons. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I was already married. I mean, bad to, you need money? Yeah. You know I what mean? I mean? You
2: guys, I mean, after after seventeen weeks of the Lions.
0: Yeah. What do you, do you mean? I didn't have seventeen <laughs> weeks of the Lions. I didn't watch any of that shit. <laughs> All, All right, you watched
2: it. Let's dig into these NFL <laughs>
0: games here. um Bengals
3: Titans is what we open with uh plus three and a half Bengals at the Titans, and you know the Titans get the week off; they're fresh. Um, the Bengals, I I think are, uh, you know, they're a little banged up, especially in the secondary, but that's not really what the Titans necessarily do. I, I, but I do think this is a dangerous pick if you're on the Bengals, like there's a lot of energy there, but uh, give me the team of the week off that's home. That's getting Derek Henry back and and three and a half is a, is a modest number. I'm on the Titans here, even though I'm, I'm like everybody else probably that watches the Bengals and likes what you see and likes they're young on the up upswing team. And thinks they have a chance. Give me the Titans here. I'm not going to fall for it. Jason, where are
0: you? Well, what you want, Graham, in the playoffs is a team that's hot. And that's Cincy. Winners out of four out of the last five, Harry. And that Mm -hmm. was the the last one was the Cleveland game where they didn't play. Cincinnati didn't play anyone. I love the hot factor of this team. I love Burrow. Tennessee and Pittsburgh, if they could just be contracted and go to a different league. I never. I hate watching Tennessee and Pittsburgh. I don't trust Tannehill. I understand it's a week off. But give me the hot team, Cincy. Plus three and a hook. What do you got here, boy?
2: Jay, I think you got my notes from somebody. I mean, I'm dead on with you right here. I'm taking Cincy with the points. I'm taking Cincy with the money line. Uh, I, I know Henry's back, but we're everybody. To be honest, we're all unsure how much time he'll he'll be able to get, what he's going to be able to endure. Uh, I think Cincinnati. It's going to be key that their offensive line does give Burrow just enough time to get rid of it. Look, Cincinnati last year, they won two games. With Joe Burrow at quarterback. They beat Jacksonville and they beat the Titans by 11 points. He outplayed Tannehill that game. I think he's going to do it again Saturday. Like I said, if he gets some time, if he gets some time by that offensive line. He is going to, and I think they played it cool against Vegas, not going super deep in terms of play. I think he's going to go bombs away against the 25th ranked pass defense in the league that's the Titans. Chase Higgins Boyd. What a, pl- what a plethora of wide receivers you have to go to. Burroughs, a- he's a winner. He's a winner. He did it in college. He's already put the Bengals in, uh, in the playoffs in his second season. Uh, first playoff win since 91. I don't think they stop here. I'm with you, Jay. Let's go with the Bengals, Moneyline, and the
3: 3.5. Also, uh, a potential hedge-a-clock situation going on with uh, Cincinnati and the Titans. Both are the, the least – like, if you look at the odds to win the AFC, I'm not even talking the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl as well, but the odds to win the AFC – both have pretty long odds, and they're playing each other, so right. somebody's got to win. So that's going to put you in the AFC Championship with one of these teams, and so if you do some math, th- there's an opportunity. I think Vegas is missing something here. Like I, every once in a while, this happens, and and it, but if, if you if you look at and depending on what book you're at, you know you download the Firekeepers app and, and check it out there or wherever you are, just check out the math on the, the because there might be an opportunity next week especially if one of these teams looks good to automatically make money by hedging the other way a week from now on the money line. And Uh, and
2: that's, yeah, you know, that's a great point, Grant, because you look at it this way, I think for Cincinnati after their win to draw Tennessee, is okay with them considering, listen, you know, we don't know about Derrick Henry, and you can go ahead and let Buffalo and Kansas City beat the crap out of each other. Maybe that turns into an up and down game. Maybe that's a 38 35 game, and they got to come back next week because Cincinnati can do their business, or, or even Tennessee being the one seed. That's a great price.
3: All right, next game 49ers at Packers, and the 49ers went from being a, a sexy pick to going the other way. The money is, is on Green Bay early here, minus six now. It's up to it opened. I think five and a half, and you know Jimmy G's got hand trouble a little bit. I, I know they, um, you know, uh, look, didn't look I know, like it against Dallas. Well, yeah, but in Green Bay you start to worry about that. I don't think the Packers are some unbelievable unbeatable team though, and so the question is, as long as the 49ers don't fall behind or whatever they they look and, and are they healthy and you know in the, in the um, uh, on the defensive line that's a question because if they're not they're they're less disruptive. Uh, I, I think this number is too big for who they are, though, and I know it's cold, and maybe maybe I'm over I, – I think this is a really close game, and, I, and I, I'm on the 49ers here. Jason, where are you? Well, we don't
0: know. I guess Bosa will probably play. I haven't heard yet, but Jeff Warner and Jordan Lewis, if they're played or limited. I know the 49ers are 6-1 against the spread as underdogs, but Jimmy G, 8-degree weather, I think the 49ers run is over. Give me Green Bay minus 6. I like the number. Jump on it now. What do you got, Harry? Harry.
2: Yeah, I'm on, I'm on with it again, Jay. Green Bay, 8-0 at home. Seven of those wins by eight points or more. Uh, the injuries for San Fran have built up in the, in the secondary. Uh, Jimmy G, you mentioned Graham, uh, the finger, the shoulder. I think basically you contain Debo Samuel. I know it's easier said set them down. He might be the most dynamic player left in the playoffs today. Uh, but in this first game against the Packers, when the Packers won in San Francisco, Debo had zero touchdowns, just 52 yards total that game. Green Bay shuts them down at home, like you said in the cold on Saturday night. Uh, I think it's too much for San Francisco to come back and 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 get a cover here. I think Green Bay wins comfortably here.
3: So I do want to say, like if both, if if as we get close to kickoff, if the Forty ers are beat up and they got you know the, on that defensive line, and I, I, I am Bosa. I there Bo was a concussion, right? So we'll clear up yeah, all call. a protocol, right? Yeah, right, right. But they got another guy with a shoulder, right? Who's who's a key guy there. I think. And, I'm hesitant on that one. That would be a, a stay away from me, even though I chose the 49ers. They're
2: solid team, Sam you look at their stats. They're solid on offense. They're top ten in the league, top ten on the defense, too. But I just think this might be too much, uh, just too much to overcome in Green Bay.
0: Yeah, but there's something about Lambeau that sucks the life out of you. Like, no matter what you right. did against yeah. Dallas last, last right. week in the yeah. Jerry Dome, That's you go to Green Bay in eight-degree weather, Harry. I know yeah. you're you're willing to whip your shirt off, but Jimmy G with that hand, who knows what's going to happen?
3: I've seen I've, I've right. seen Eli, you know, I've seen Eli Manning and and people do it. I've seen I've seen it be done. Um, the I was uh, there, guys, I was there.
2: I was at the, I was at the minus six degree game. I was I, there.
3: I was too. How did we how oh, do we not nice. know each other? I mean, that was the right. coldest I was walk. Lot. I that that was the time that I uh, was that was there to do peace on Greg Jennings who, when I worked in Kalamazoo by the way oh, and nice. the cover Western Michigan. Yeah, yeah. And afterwards, he didn't want to talk to anybody because and, and so, but I'm like great i just drove from fucking kalamazoo man i can't like tell my editor i'm not doing a piece on you he's like all right graham just i if i talk to you i gotta talk to everybody i'll call you in a little bit well i didn't entirely trust it so i went out i'm like i gotta find a secondary feature story or something mm-hmm. and what was interesting I, I sort of did something on this this six degree weather post-loss tailgate scene at lambeau field which is fascinating people were like dancing in the parking lot around mm-hmm. i mean it was just it was weird i'd never seen anything like it and so I did a couple of interviews for that, hoping I'd never have to use them. But because it was so noisy with the music in the parking lot, I missed Greg's call. Oh, no. And then when I went to call, and he left a voicemail, I was like, Graham, I'm going to bed. I'll try you tomorrow. And so I had to drive all the way back to Kalamazoo. I talked to him the next day, but there was no point in me being in Green Bay. One of the many times I've, I uh, have not come through for editors over the years. But anyway, um, all right, next game I absolutely love. If we were still doing the, the three-team parlays, this would be part of him. Rams plus three at the at the Bucks. I love the Rams here. I like the Rams on the money line. I know it's Tom Brady. I know you're not supposed to go against him. I love the Rams defensive line. I know the Bucks may be hurt on the offensive line at right tackle. I, I just think the Rams right now are, are, are a better team with with more weapons. And I, this isn't just Brady versus Stafford. I, I get, give me the Rams here. Give me the Rams on the money line. Give me them plus three for sure. Give me them in teasers. Just give me the Rams. Where are you, Jason?
0: <laughs> all up in the Rams, uh, huh? All. Yeah, I listen, I just when the public hit hammers a game like they're hammering the Rams right now, it always scares me. But I just think the injuries have caught up to Tampa, Harry. So give me uh the Rams uh plus three. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I like the Rams too. You're right. Injuries have caught up to Tampa, I think. that. I thought he was gonna go. Uh when we spoke last week. Uh he didn't. So he's still shaky about this week. Um, interesting though, you know, uh McVeigh did lose to Brady in the Super Bowl, but since Tom Brady has donned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform, back-to-back years McVay has beaten Brady, and he's done it pretty, pretty, pretty good too. The Rams look great against them this year. They beat them last year. I think they're going to do it again here in this spot too. Again, too much injuries here. Uh, the pickups, the additions for for uh, for the Rams are really paying off now with Von Miller and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Say what you want about Beckham. He scored in six of his last eight games. He scored touchdowns. And I got a prop here for you guys. Now that the playoff monkey is off Matthew Stafford's back, and he didn't have to do a lot on Monday. He was 13 to 17, very efficient, but only 17 attempts. But in this game, I like him to go over 279 and a half passing yards. Um, like I said, only thirteen to seventeen last week. But when they played earlier this year, he lit up Tampa Bay for four touchdowns and three hundred and forty yards. Stafford with that win now can be relaxed. And knows that they, he can beat Tam Brady and, and the Bucs. They already did this year. I'm going to go over 279 passing yards as well.
3: I like it. The Stafford play. All right, we go from that game, which I feel amazing about, to a game I is a total stay away, but I absolutely want to see. Like, it, it takes a, it at this stage in my life, it takes a, a really good game for me to be this into it without having any money on it. And the Bills Chiefs is that like I really want to see this, but I don't trust. Like, I don't trust that the Chiefs aren't still the Chiefs to the point they're going to win this, but the Bills look really good. Like, Bills plus two of the Chiefs don't like it, don't want any part of it. If I was going to mess with it, I might take the over fifty four and a half. and um, But for our sake, until the Chiefs get dethroned, I know the Bills look great,
0: and, and the Bills don't run the ball great. I, I, I don't, just give, give me the Chiefs for our purposes here. Jason, where are you? First of all, never say that you're ever going to watch a game without gambling on it during our gambling segment with a gambling <laughs> sponsor. I mean, seriously, there's touchdown bets to be had. And that's what I'm going to be doing, Harriet. Listen, for this thing, I'm going to take the Bills plus two and a half. I think the Bills have the defense that possibly can slow Kansas City down. And then they have Josh Allen, of course. But I'm going to do the touchdown props and probably enjoy this one. But what do you got?
2: Yeah, I'm on the Bills too. Look, I mean, Kansas City at home at Arrowhead with Mahomes, Andy Reid, not really getting, not even getting the, you know, you get thrown the three points by Vegas in the first place by the spread. Not so much here they're telling you Vegas is begging for you to bet Kansas City because they're tell- they know that the Bills right now are a better team. Jay, you brought up the defense. The defense has been fantastic, especially late. They totally dominated the Patriots last week, didn't allow any rushing yards at all. Poyer and Hyde, fantastic, probably the best one-two combo at safety in the league. They're number one against- in points against this year, uh, yards against. And I'm telling you, Graham. You mentioned Bills' running rushing game. Yeah, during the middle of the season, towards the end, not the greatest. That's probably why they didn't get the seed over Kansas City, and they felt and they got to go to Arrowhead. But lately, though, Devin Singletary's been picking up. He's been scoring touchdowns. He had 80 yards last week with, uh, and two touchdowns on the ground. Which, if he can do that again, similar something to like that, that opens up the, the the range for what Josh Allen can do. He doesn't have to just pass the ball all the time and have to rely on. His arm to get it done. If Singletary can run the ball, and the Bills' defense is what we know and what we've seen last week, and what we know about this whole season, like I said, number one in the league. Josh Allen takes a lot of pressure off him. I'm taking the Bills to win for the second time in Arrowhead this season.
3: That'd be incredible. I'm all about some some new blood coming out of that side. I'd love to. I'd love to see the Bills uh, get through. I I got cousins who are big Bills fans. I've seen some suffering. You know, the Bills have been a lot better franchise than the Lions, but they have also there's been a, a different kind of suffering for them. So I wouldn't mind.
0: Like making four straight Super Bowls and losing?
3: Yes, that would be suffering of a different kind. How would
0: that be suffering? I that's, would love to just, just to get a playoff win as a Lions fan. Well, yeah. All
2: my during during that I was in upstate New York. All my friends were Bills fans. I, I,
0: oh,
3: that's that's brutal. Bales four fans. straight. I mean, I was a Broncos fan. I went through the early, but then got the you know got the late Elway. You yes. you got
2: the late Elway couple.
3: Yeah, that was that was fantastic for me as a teenager, yeah. and then I stopped being a Broncos fan. Turned out I was just an Elway fan. Um, anything else you like on the on the NFL, Harry, before we turn to uh before we turn to um uh the college basketball?
2: Well, I kind of like Stephon Diggs too. Another prop here. I like Stephon Diggs plus one fifteen, any time touchdown. Kansas City is twenty seventh versus the pass. Diggs was kind of quiet last week versus New England, had uh, had just uh, sixty yards, no touchdowns. But he scored in six of his last nine game, regular season games. He had seven total. And like I said, also, just a situation where against Kansas City's defense. I expect more from him uh, this week. Uh, he had a nice game against them earlier this season. Stefan Diggs didn't show up. I mean, didn't need him really last week to go big. I think he gets an anytime touchdown at plus 115 this week, too. Oh,
3: that's beautiful. All right.
2: College basketball
3: here. Uh, Friday night, Michigan State goes to uh Wisconsin. Uh, our friend Trevor Darnell projects it at minus three. And obviously that line won't be out for, for, for a little bit yet. And although by the time you listen to it, it might, um, you know, for me, it minus three. Look, I've I've watched Wisconsin play a, a little bit this year and they're legitimately good. And it's not that I don't think MSU can win that game. I just don't, all of a sudden, I think it's hard to trust Michigan State. I think, I do think they'll play hard. I do think they'll give a concerted effort on the road at Cole uh, and I and I think, frankly, it's not like it's a horrible matchup. I do question how they're going to defend Johnny Davis, but if I were to lean here, I would lean Wisconsin minus three. I would p- call this a stay away for most people. I don't know, Jason. Do you have a feel for this at all? Yeah,
0: I, when you you sent this line to me, I think it's kind of low. I I love mm-hmm. the Badgers minus three. Like you said, they're proven. They've beaten teams and they haven't lost at home since November fifteenth. Yeah. And Michigan State played like complete ass against Northwestern, so I don't know how it would be three. But give me the Badgers. What do you got here? Uh-
2: I agree with Jay. I think I, when, I, when Graham sent me this, seems very low. Michigan State didn't have a great two-home game stand here, like you mentioned, losing to Northwestern and beat what looks like a bad Minnesota team by just two. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, Wisconsin's seven in a row, the 3-0 at home in the conference. They beat Purdue and West Lafayette. They beat Michigan State and East Lansing last year. Give me the badger. It seems too easy here.
3: All right, the other game I want to uh, mention is the Thursday night matchup with uh, Purdue at Indiana. And it's going to be three and a half. I think Purdue is a favorite. I like Purdue here, even on the road. I, I think the matchup is tough for Indiana size wise. Um, and, and I, I just, I, I love Ivy. I love what Purdue is. I think they found something. I know it'll be a packed house um, at, at IU. But I, I think, you know, in basketball, this isn't football where you score three, seven at a time. At two point, like, to me, a line that's that low, even if it's a pretty close game, is likely to be covered. And I think Purdue is the better team,
0: so give me Purdue. Jason, do you have a feel? Yeah, like you mentioned, Assembly Hall will be rocking, but Purdue's just too good. Give me the Boilermakers. What do you got, Harry?
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm on the Boilermakers, too. 50% from the shoot from the field, 40% from three. You mentioned uh, Ivy Graham. Ivy and Media, they averaged 32 points, 13 rebounds combined a game. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be too much for Tracey uh, Jackson-Davis and the Hoosiers to overcome. Jackson Davis does a lot of the work on offense for the Hoosiers. Hoosiers lost at Iowa last game. Um, there are two two games ago. They were fortunate uh, to pull out a win against the Cornhuskers in their last game. I think that's just too much offense here for Purdue. Uh, I'm laying the points too.
3: No, it's it's it. That one looks good. I mean, I, when you see a uh, you know a home favorite like that. I think I think the home crowd is what's making that game closer than it is. I, I really like Purdue a lot there. Harry, you are a, a beautiful man. Uh, we'll talk this, uh, We'll talk next week after, after the games, and, and I hope your streak continues, because you're making a lot of people a lot of money.
2: Thanks, guys. Have a blast this weekend. Have fun. Let's make the money, guys. See you, Harry.
3: Appreciate you. Okay. That's Harry Gagnon, the great Harry Gagnon from the Against All Odds podcast, Best Pet Corner, and ExtraPoints.com. Appreciate Firekeepers and their support of us. And look, if you want to play along this weekend, download the Firekeepers uh, iCasino and Sportsbook app today. Appreciate all of you listening. Thanks to Colton Pouncy. Thanks to you, Jason. Yeah, if, man. And, uh, of course. Colton was great. He <laughs> was great. Thanks to Front 43 and Cask and Company. Great place to watch the Michigan State game Friday night. Give it a shot. Um, as well as always, Skyman. Struggling to get through this month. Let Skyman help you. Go to com for location information and specials. Chances are you live close to a Skyman. They will absolutely take care of you. Good show, man. Yeah, man. Couch in the roof.